everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, welcome back. Besties are back. Besties have reunited. Besties are back. Besties are back for the All In Podcast. We'll call this episode one, episode two. This is our fifth episode. Episode eight, the last time you heard from the besties, it was election night and it was a shit show. Oh, he's got a megaphone. (laughs) (laughs) Prince of SPACs. The dictator. The dictator, Chamath Polyhapatia. Hey, everybody. It's me, Jason. This is cashmere. Do you like my thin cashmere gelée that I'm wearing? Let's all take a moment to say what we like about Chamath. Okay. Great, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> queen of Kinwa. Queen of Kinwa. The Queen of Kinwa. David Freeberg is with us. Let me tell you guys what you missed out on. Hey, everybody, it's me, Jason <laughs> Calacanis. Welcome, welcome. Chiming in is Rain Man himself, David Sachs. Rain Man David Sachs. Hey, guys. Oh. <laughs> hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Besties are here. Talk about tech, economy, politics, and our lives in Silicon Valley. If if Newsom is recalled, I I would like to put my name on the ballot. We're not going to get any positive change in this state until the politicians are held accountable. Salesforce in a record transaction for a SaaS company. Uh, The ship uh, goes into the Suez Canal and it had a blackout. The Chauvin trial, guilty, all three charges. Xi Jinping and Putin got together and they're apparently besties. And then we can talk about the corporatist scumbags of and other fucking people over. So let's, let's do that. You know, I realized that what I said last week lacked empathy, particularly towards others who are dealing with persecution. I think what makes this podcast great is uh, the diversity of opinion and respect uh, that we show for each other. Jake out if, if anything I said hurt your feelings, I want to say I'm sorry. I think you are the most incredibly loyal person. Love you, Chamath. Jake out I, I have something to say to you as okay. well. Uh, I like, love... Lo- uh, System breakdown. Fuck it. Back at you. <laughs> Thank you to Young Spielberg Extended Edition Remix. We open sourced it to the fans and they've just gone crazy with it. All in statistics where some maniac is breaking down how many minutes we each talk. All in stands have a ton of skills. Who's the guy, Henry, who does all those incredible videos with there animations? That is fraud. That's where Elizabeth Holmes crossed the line. Crushing Those it. things are great. Draymond Green in the house. Draymond What's up, Green. Besty Gasty? You bet $13, okay? You don't yep. get 13 back, you only get 10 back. Uh, we have Balaji here. Brad Gerstner, welcome back to the program. Ryan Armstrong, what's up, bro? Ryan Peterson from Flexport. Thanks for coming on the pod, and we appreciate it. I love you guys. I, I want to too. kiss all of you on the mouth. Hopefully, we'll have a uh, a bestie poker soon. Thank you for helping me get through a very difficult year. People just can't believe men say to each other they love each other. And they can't believe that Sachs almost is able to say it. We love you, Saxy Poo. Let, I love you, David Sachs. I love, I love you, David Sachs. Back at you. Can we book the Miami trip tomorrow? Let's let's go out there. King of SPACs himself, the guru of growth. He puts the dick in dictator. That timepiece, what does it do? It reminds him of how much more money he has than you. Sweater is worth six times. Laura Piana is above his line. Your super villain with that 1985 Sasakaya, he be chillin'. He's dropping annual letters in luxurious sweaters. 
as far as the SPACs go, well, it can only get better. The dictator himself. Back with us again, the czar of ARR, the savant of SAS. He puts the ass in Asperger's. He's the sucker. He's a sucker for Tucker. He's the czar of ARR. He perfected the flywheel with his boy, Peter Thiel. LPs, don't be nervous because he's only investing in software as a service. The world's biggest asshole. The rain man himself, David Sachs. He's a Wait, sasshole. you call me a sasshole? The queen of quinoa himself. He'll reboot your physique with his Munique. The thriller from Amilla Valley. <laughs> he puts the eye in anxiety. He works in DNA, but in the 90s, all he cared about was the MDMA, the Duke of <laughs> DNA, the Titan of Tempeh. In high school, he had no friends, but thanks to the pod, undergrads are in his DMs. All forms of steak. He's a virgin. He's the vanguard of all the virgins. The queen of quinoa. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce your besties, the queen of quinoa, the sultan of signs, David Freeberg, the rain man, David Sachs, the dictator himself, Chamath Palihapitiya, and everyone's favorite bestie, the point god, Jacob. I cannot believe what J. Cal has pulled off here. I mean, I am in shock that this is even real. The, I, still the, I still don't know where all the money went, but. <laughs> the amount of money you embezzled. We are witnessing our first Theranos moment, starring Jason Calcanis. Guys, I got great news for you. I took all the money, I put it in Luna. I haven't checked it in the last week, but we were up 3X. We're gonna kill this. Um, you'll never find the money. I put it through multiple Bitcoin tumblers. That's great. It's gonna be great. Uh, welcome everybody. By the way, sorry, this is a joke to everybody in the room, but one person sitting over here who is really sweating the accounting of this. Freeberg is having a panic attack. I, he had a panic attack last beginning. Beginning. I said, if J. Cal's gonna do this, we're gonna have a grift session. We're gonna all sit down and we're gonna figure out where the grift happened, because it's gonna happen. The guy who's always calling out the grift knows how to grift better than anyone else. We'll figure this out. Like, yeah. Half these people- Half I his saw family's here. Have you guys met them all? They're great people, but- <laughs> <laughs> Are, are there any Calcanuses who are not on the payroll? Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you? We're the, feeding a lot of Calcanuses here. Yeah. I've been, I've been this guy's job. It's a new job. <laughs> I've been your biggest supporter defending you from these two fucking jackals. But it finally got into my brain as well. So when I got into the hotel room and I opened the bag, I was like, well, maybe this cup costs $4,000. Right. Maybe this, no, it's very possible. It's, possible. it's a heated cup. It's a heated cup. Um, Who are we to know? When was the last time you bought a cup? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, like, mean, it's like the Pentagon or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like when George Bush went to the, the supermarket and he didn't know how much a tomato or gallon of milk costs. Yeah, what, cup a what does a gallon of milk $7.99? I have no idea. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm not going to pretend. I asked Sachs, when's the last time you flew, flew commercial? Which George Bush was in office? <laughs> Herbert Walker. Yeah. Exactly. No, it was, uh, I think Obama was still in office. 
he, uh, he just won the Democratic <laughs> nomination. Uh, we're so great, uh, grateful for you all to come here. How many people flew, just by a show of hands and a whoop whoop, how many people flew over 10 hours to get here? Oh my God. Uh, I mean, it's pretty wow. incredible. Um, fans from around the world. Uh, and I, I just think, uh, you know, it's very special to us um, that this podcast means so much to you. Last night, we, we, you know, had a little debrief, and the things you said to us, you know, when we, when, we, when we met you all, and it's very weird to do a podcast like this and have it become super popular. I don't, two weeks ago, it became the 26th most popular episode in the App Store, which to us was crazy. We did this because we were losing our minds in COVID, and as friends, we couldn't play poker, we couldn't see each other, it was very lonely. Uh, and we did this for ourselves. And the fact that all of you got some value from it, uh, it was just remarkable to us, like uh, as a concept, uh, but incredibly um, gracious of you all to come here and then to tell us what it means to you. Uh, I, it, it just has blown us away that people are even tuning in uh, to it. How has it changed your life, Friedberg? I mean, you were a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally didn't have a Twitter account. We were all still, very famous in yeah, the tech right. industry, right. but nobody knew you. So let's just start there. Keep going. Like, I mean, t- I mean, literally, we were backstage, and they said Queen of Quinoa, and this audience went crazy. I mean, you're very socially awkward. Tell us what. What is it like for you to be famous? You know, I appreciate that, but I'll tell you, the, um, the, the, the weird thing is we go into our office for 90 minutes a week and we talk to each other over Zoom and then we go in the room and people want to take pictures. That's what's so like, strange. It's like, we've never done this. In, we did it once in person together, right? The, the pod. At your yeah. We've always done it over Zoom and it was always like a remote, like, so it always just felt like, hey, I got, a, I got meetings on either side. Let's go do the pod for, for 90 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, People actually fucking listen to us talking over Zoom. Yeah. It's a little wacky, I'll tell you. Um, but it was great to meet everyone last night. I think it was, um, it was really cool because I heard a lot of stories last night about some dude sold his company for like fucking $2 billion. Where's that guy? That I guy. He's, and he's like, he's, he's still like, at 11. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said he sold his company because of the, um, the call we made on the top of the market. And he's like, I, I took the deal 21 times revenue. Oh, there he is. Oh, oh. who's this guy, hey, sir? How are you? Welcome. Um, anyway, so everybody, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, what an audience. The mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. <laughs> so I, I, take it, I take it 11 just close. I got to dress like a human being for about an hour of my day today. <laughs> well, it actually doesn't close. 11. It, 11 it doesn't, doesn't close. No. So we'll just go there for a Sorry, it's 24 okay. hours. It's 24 hours. Not that I've ever been there, but. Yes. Um, hey, thanks for hosting us. We were Thanks thinking of a place me. to do it, and uh, you were gracious enough to, to encourage you us to come here. You took everybody's poker money everywhere else in the country, so you decided to come here, right? Yes, we're going to sweep everything up I here. I like that. Um, but uh, what an incredible um, resurgence and courting of the tech industry you've done here. Uh, tell us about a little bit about what's happened in the last two years since you started replying to people on Twitter saying, hey, um, if you're running a business, we'd like to help you. Yeah, sort of a United States of America type of approach, right? A fu- fun- fundamentally American where we want to create high paying jobs in our city. 
We want to empower people. We want to give people an opportunity at being prosperous. And uh, for some reason in the, this country, in, in certain cities, that's been frowned upon or it makes you feel guilty about it. And here in Miami, we're fundamentally shaped by our uh, sort of our, our origin story, right? And many people in Miami were exiled from their country of birth uh, for, because in those countries, uh, communist regimes took over. And obviously in those countries, uh, a government official is saying, hey, give me your property, give me your, uh, your business, and don't worry, I'll make everybody equal. And they do make everybody equal. They make everybody equally miserable. So, uh, you know, they, they've accomplished that. <laughs> and whenever government wants to grow, uh, you should run in the opposite direction. Uh, and so in Miami, we do it uh, by, by following some simple rules. We keep taxes as low as humanly possible. And shocker, our uh, budget has doubled in size uh, since we uh, have kept taxes to 1960s lows. Uh, we focus on quality of life. So we have uh, the lowest homeless rate since 2013. We're the first major city, I think, in America to actually try to get to zero. We want to have zero homeless. Um, and we, we, we actually invest in safety. You know, we actually, while other cities decrease funding for our police, we've increased funding for our police. We have the most. Yeah. We have the most police officers we've ever had in our history. And by the way, they have the hardest job in America right now, our, our police officers. And I'm gonna give you a shocking correlation. Our crime went down. Shocking. So you added police. We added police. And the crime went down. Yes, I know, it's, 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 it's bewildering. Our homicide rate went down by 23% last year. This year it's down by 40% from the 23% of last year. So almost 63% two years. So that basically the combination of economic prosperity yep. and then safety and security. Yep. People are too busy to think about all of the long tail things they could be doing to screw up their own lives or somebody else's life. They're just living a good life. Yeah, we have 1.4% unemployment. Um, we have, we're number one in the nation in wage growth. We're number one in the nation in tech jobs. We're number one in tech job migration. I think we've moved 2 trillion AUM in the last 18 months. And our VC pipeline grew by 200% year over year. And to put that number in context, if it was a zero sum game and our gain was, for example, San Francisco's loss, which it may very well be going into the future, um, in two years, we would overtake San Francisco as the VC capital of the world. Yeah. And to be clear- At that rate. You know, this is a very liberal city that is welcoming of all yeah, people. This absolutely. is not like you've become some like insane, crazy right wing, like Teal Sachs. Insane. <laughs> you still are like fine with people living their lives and you know. Yes, we're, we're, we're very much into freedom. Uh, we, we, we're, we're kind of sort of libertarian here uh, in Miami. Uh, and, and you know, we, we want people to live their lives as they see fit. Uh, we're not here to tell them what to do. We're here to uh, create the conditions for their prosperity to the extent that government even gets involved in that, right? We, we like to stay out of people's business. We try to be efficient. Uh, which I know is a, almost an oxymoron in government. And we try to facilitate people's growth and, and success. That's it, that's all we do. Tell us about your uh, support of crypto. So, you know, when we were trying to create this uh, buzz and ecosystem, uh, we knew we had to uh, disrupt the, the, the natural order of things. And so our hack, right, our um, David and Goliath sort of slingshot hack was to go all in on crypto. Uh, part of the reason why is, uh, you know, I understood the fundamentals of it. I like the fundamentals of it. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's missing in our society is trust. And when you see policymakers, whether at the Fed or 
or, or the federal government spending significantly more money than what it's taking in, uh, which is creating hyperinflation. We see interest rates going up. I mean, it's sort of a, uh, a terrible uh, man, man or woman inflicted uh, suffering. And you see a system that is uh, designed to sort of create trust by making it um, humanless uh, in effect. Uh, it was something that was very attractive. Obviously the blockchain, I was part of the blockchain foundation, uh, part of the blockchain task force for the state of Florida. So I had a, a sort of uh, education on the technology prior to the moment where I sort of decided to go all in on it. And I thought that it could be a differentiator being a young mayor who understood the tech, um, who understood that I wasn't taking as big a risk as people thought I would be taking. Um, and it's been great for our ecosystem. I mean, whatever the price of Bitcoin is at a given moment is pretty much irrelevant. What's important to me is we have the Bitcoin conference. We have you guys. Uh, we have the Bitcoin conference, which is a tens of millions of dollars in economic development. We brought uh, a tremendous amount of funds and, uh, and, uh, and exchange, exchanges to headquarter here in Miami, which has created hundreds of high paying jobs. Uh, and then we got uh, FTX to name our arena, which is a $200 million uh, gift or uh, contribution to our, our community. So it's, it's been something that's benefited us to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. So regardless of what you think about crypto as a technology, as an economic development tool, it's been game changing for us. Sachs, I'm curious how you think about what you've seen in this city versus you know, where we all live and operate in the Bay Area uh, and then across the country. Uh, how, how do you grade the job the mayor has done here? And what do you think the lessons are for the rest of the country? Um, I think, you know, Mayor Suarez has done an amazing job here, and it's something that other cities should be looking to emulate, which is simply to be helpful instead of, you know, being an impediment. Uh, I did an event for Mayor Suarez in San Francisco, you know, my, my home, and it was the best attended event. I've, and I've done a lot of uh, political events. The one we had with you was the best attended event I think we ever held, and the reason, there was a tremendous amount of curiosity on the part of people in San Francisco in terms of what's been happening here. And the kind of, the thing that you heard over and over again uh, by the people who attended that event who would ask questions was, you know, why can't we have a mayor like you in San Francisco? Because I don't live there. <laughs> Actually, I'm, pre I'm president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, so I kind of jokingly say, well, I'm kind of, you know, I'm trying to, yeah. but every, every city I go to, they ask me the same question, and I'm like, well, I really like Miami a lot. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, we have not just a mayor, but because the mayor in San Francisco is actually not bad. London Breed's not bad. The issue is the Board of Supervisors, who really controls the city. I mean, they've been engaged in killing the golden goose. I mean, San Francisco and the Bay Area had a lock on the tech ecosystem. And because the political forces there define tech as the enemy, they basically have driven it out. And as a result, you now have emergent tech hubs all over the United States, starting with Miami and Austin um, and other cities like that. And it's kind of crazy. San Francisco had the monopoly and it basically chose to give it up. Well, spending, it was a giant grift, right? Aren't they at like 4X budget per capita over New York? It's like or yeah, 3X, it's something insane. Yeah, it is crazy. Mayor, let me ask a question around, sure. um, one of the reasons Silicon Valley exists is because of the relationship with the universities in the Bay Area. Yeah. And obviously that still continues to be a big driver for the tech and more recently biotech economy in the Bay Area. No doubt. A lot of people get their PhDs, they graduate engineering students, they stay in the Bay Area, UCSF, Stanford, Berkeley, et cetera. How do you think about the relationship between universities? What's the kind of, um, kind of reflective solution here? 
And are there relationships you can maybe build or bridge with California schools to kind of get Innovation Hub set up that, that partner with graduates? Well, I, I, would, I would love to. Um, I, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Silicon Valley is 95% of the people that live in Silicon Valley were not born in Silicon Valley. Um, in Miami, it's closer to 70% of the people that, um, that live in the city were not uh, born in the city. Right. I'm actually an anomaly, being the first Miami-born mayor in the history of the city, 125 years. So that's, that's a pretty cool stat. But I, I absolutely think that we can, look, we're not perfect. I like to think that I, I get up every morning uh, as a mayor, you, you sort of look at the imperfections and you, you try as, as a long-term build, right? Beyond these 24 months, you start thinking about what are the structural things that we can do better? And I think you just hit on one of them, right? I think certainly having uh, a university that's at the caliber of the Stanford's, the MIT's, you know, Harvard, uh, even UT and Georgia Tech get a lot of fanfare. Um, in Austin and, and in the Atlanta area. Um, and so I, I think we can certainly uh, do better. Um, I, I'm not one of these people that likes to be complacent or that thinks that, you know, even if we had a university at, at the caliber of some of these universities, I'd be still trying to find a way to do better. I think the world is highly disruptive. I think higher ed is highly disruptive. And I think, uh, and it's an archaic sort of institutional, just like government, right? They, they're always behind. So I think that, that gives uh, cities like Miami, if we're smart, if we find our crypto for universities, right, we can sort of leapfrog a lot of them and, and get to the top very quickly, I think. I, I want to ask you, as we, as we wrap here, a really hard question. Um, uh, we are struggling. How to beat your mouth in poker? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> impossible, um, I would say. The, no, I mean, we have um, a drug crisis in this country yeah. uh, with fentanyl. Yeah. It is a super drug like we have never seen. We have this problem in San Francisco with homelessness and, and drugs, and you're now uh, running yeah. the uh, conference of all the mayors in the country, and you all come together, and it seems like some cities are figuring out how to deal with this, and some are floundering. Is the issue that we're looking at a super drug and an addiction problem that has very low chance of uh, resolving itself through yeah. even you know when you, when somebody can get a bed and go to recovery, the, the recovery rates for fentanyl are sure. low single digits, and we're looking at this as if the problem is actually homelessness that they don't have a home when in right. fact they are addicted to a yeah. super drug. Why can't we look at this for what it is and stop conflating a super drug addiction problem with people not having a home and an economic issue? It seems like there's yeah. some denial going on. Sure. Look, I think fentanyl is, uh, the numbers are very scary, right? In terms of recovery, it's infinitesimal uh, in terms of people that can get out of that, that vicious cycle of fentanyl addiction. Um, I, I, in Miami, what we did uh, about 10, 15 years ago was we created a network of, 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 of facilities that do drug treatment, alcohol treatment, mental health, and vocational training all at the same place. Um, it's called the Homeless Trust. Uh, we use, I think it's a cent from, uh, it's a basically a tourist tax. So people who come in and visit pay a bed tax uh, when they come and visit uh, a hotel. Uh, it generates about $50 million a year, which you can bond out. And we've created a decentralized set of facilities all across the MSA. We reduce homelessness by about 90% with that network. We're now down to the chronic uh, few, the, the last 10%. It's about 1,000 in the county, in Miami, in the city, which is one of 34 cities in the county. We have 510 homeless right now in the city and that's uh, incredible you know down to the person yeah down to the person we do an, we do a a a, um, a continuous audit and continuous uh uh census and so we know down to the person and i think the key for us to go 
to zero, right? Aside from trying to fund the network's uh, wish list, which we did uh, with some ARPA funding that we got, is to really know them at an intimate level, know their stories, right? You know, you, when we first met, you, one of the things you said was, you, know, you don't know someone until you know their story, right? How do you drill down and how do you get inside and know uh, what is, what's the reason why they're there, whether it's an addiction, whether it's, uh, some people just have been homeless for 20 years and they're just used to it, right? They, they're, they're, they want to live. lifestyle. Like, they yeah. want to live on the streets. And those are the hardest ones because you, you really can't, unfortunately, legally tell them you can't live on the street, right? So it's, 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 it's about convincing them that there's a better path, there's a better life, that, that, that there are things out there that can uh, create more happiness for them. Yeah, but you have to hold the line as well. You do. On a policing level. Like Absolutely. You, if you... Uh, as we've seen in San Francisco, if you incentivize it by not doing any basic policing, you get more of it. Well, here's the issue. I think what people often forget is obviously people who are homeless are human beings and they need to be treated with dignity. At the same time, there are human beings like we are. If any one of us, this is recording over there, if any one of us just got up and started urinating on the stage right now, they would be arrested. They would be arrested. So, so we're, we, we're held to a certain level of account as human beings where our actions affect others, right? So it's not just about the human person and how we take care of that human being, but it's also how does that human being interact with and affect everybody else? And I think that's the part that gets lost sometimes in the debate. Mayor, before, sorry, I want to ask one question. You focus on local issues, the city that you operate. What do you think happens to the United States, the federal government over the next 30 years? Do you have any points of view on where we're headed as a... Oof. Wow, it's that's a long, uh, that's a loaded question. But I think well, first, you'll be running for mayor. Uh, sorry, for president. Let's, find, well, well, let's hear the point. Is that twenty thirty two? When uh, are you planning knows, to? Who knows? Who knows? Thank you. <laughs> Whenever Chamath also authorizes it. Um, look, it has I, been authorized. Just so you know, you are looking at it eight to twelve years from now. He will be the president of the United States. But anyways, so, go ahead. And I'm always the trying to hack and accelerate the process. Anyhow, um, so. Yeah. So, so it's, it sounds good, by the way. Uh, I, I think a few things. I think, first of all, those three, uh, those three uh, bullet points, if you will, those three uh, uh, sort of keys to success, keeping taxes low, investing in quality of life, which is sort of homelessness and safety, and then uh, uh, you know, creating high-paying jobs, or leaning into an innovation economy. We're, we're transitioning. That's, that's, a, that's a recipe for success for the country. Can we change the country, though? What's can, that? can we change? Can we move the train? Look look what we did in Miami in two years. Absolutely we can. I think we have to transition. There's, there's two inflection points which are massively disruptive. The first is from a, an industrial to a digital economy. And the second is from the boomer generation to our generation. That's right. right. So those two inflection points are happening at the same time. If we, and what, I, I, what that does, I call it a tsunami of opportunity. Yeah. Right? And if we get ahead of the tsunami and we surf that wave as opposed to letting the wave run us over, um, I think we can create a generation of prosperity. But look, you have, you have China and, and Russia banning Bitcoin. Do we want to agree with China and Russia on anything right now? I don't know. You know, I don't think so. So, you know, I, I think there are tremendous opportunities uh, for us to lean into uh, this innovation economy and create prosperity. You have the largest microchip factory in the world being built in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I think that's something that uh, we need to sort of reclaim our ability to to produce things in the technological industrial revolution. Um, we're seeing, you know, uh, Bitcoin mining facilities that are done at carbon, you know, carbon neutral. 
Uh, so I think there's a lot of opportunities in this new economy for us to really jump ahead where skilled labor is going to be a premium over unskilled labor that's going to be done with computers or, you know, uh, you know, printers or whatever. Well, Mr. Mayor, printers. we we appreciate that uh, you are putting uh, your life to service you, of the citizens of this great city. Uh, and we really appreciate that because you have other opportunities you could have pursued and, and you're pursuing really changing uh, what is, you know, some, some major dysfunctions in the political system and we're all rooting for you and, and the results are undeniable and we really do appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys. I love you Mayor guys. Frank. I love you. I love you we'll let your winners ride. Rain Man David Sass. We open source it to the fans and they've just gone crazy with it. Love you, West. Nice. Queen of Be. Be. What? <laughs> what? We need to get merch. I'm doing all